And I want to say uh, right up front that I'm very thankful for the opportunity to have the Bible, which gives us the mind of Christ. Amen? And this is a message, and this is a truth tonight that we struggle with, I think, so greatly because we look at it completely from a worldly perspective. It's one of those things that I really don't think that we have any intention on working on until God really deals with our hearts about some of these things. And uh, so I want to just draw your attention tonight to 1 Peter chapter 2. Without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and jump in for sake of time. Um, this is one of those messages that I want to stay so close to what I've prepared that it may seem more like a manuscript type message, but I don't want to uh, misspeak or um, me and Brother West were teasing around, amen, we, that's why we packed our car tonight in case we make everybody mad, amen, made sure we had enough gas in it, we didn't turn it around and point it the right direction, no, I guess it is, po- no, it's, it's the wrong direction, but anyway, um, in all seriousness, this is something the Lord has really been teaching me and dealing with me about. And I think you'll understand a little bit more tonight about what the Bible has to, has to say about this as we go through this together. We've been speaking on the moral compass, amen, and uh, how desperately our nation, our churches, we as individuals need to get our moral compass back, need to get our bearings to prioritize and figure out the things that are really important in our lives and focus on those things. And if you look with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, I just want to read this uh, one final time here in this final service, verse number 17. And I would ask you please to pray for me as I try to bring you the thought tonight. The Bible says, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God. And I think a lot of us wish it stopped right there. But God says, honor the king. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you, Lord, for truth tonight. Lord, we say we're Bible believers and we love the word, and yet, Father, we stumble at things like this. Father, we oftentimes joke about the scriptures that we really don't want to work at or submit to. And Father, I pray that you'd change our perspective tonight. I pray the Holy Spirit of God would give us a wisdom and some insight tonight that maybe we didn't have before. And I pray, Father, that in all things in our lives, we would honor you. And Father, surely... As we have already stated that this is a summary of so many truths in this chapter, this has to be important to you. It's got to be something, Lord, that you're serious about or you wouldn't have written it to us. And so, Lord, help us tonight to glean from this. And Lord, so much, I think, in our lives, we're so fearful, so concerned, so angry, so worried, is because we forget the things that we're going to talk about tonight. So, Lord, I pray that you'd use these things to strengthen, establish, settle us, and help us, Lord, to put our confidence completely back in you. And Lord, I thank you, Father, for this privilege we have to be able to look into your word tonight. Bind all devils and distractions away. Give me clarity, Lord, of thought and word, and I pray that it would be communicated clearly and slowly enough, Father, so that everyone could understand. And God, I just pray you get the glory as you change us. And transform us a little bit more into the image of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do now. Get the glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as has often been said, and then there was one. Amen. Uh, We've been looking at this chart, and I know that everybody is well aware of what we've been looking at. And uh, there's one remaining point on this moral compass as the final point that Peter lists here. Namely, that believers are to honor the king. I need to preface this message by letting you know that uh, you're looking at a flawed preacher. 
a preacher that struggles with the same things you struggle with, no doubt. And uh, I, I want you to know I struggle with this. And I don't just mean I struggle with it in a general sense. I struggle with this sometimes on a daily basis. I struggle with, uh, first of all, I, I probably, if I wouldn't focus so much on the news, I probably wouldn't have near as much problem with it, amen? Because when you're in the Bible, you're thinking God's in control. You're thinking God's got this. You're thinking this is all according to God's plan. But then when you look at the news, all of a sudden we forget God, the key element of everything in our life, and it just throws everything out of kilter. And that's where the worry comes from. That's where the concern and the despondency and wanting to rise up and do something ourselves as though God can do something if He wanted to. Amen? And so this is tough preaching. I want you to know that. It's probably harder listening. Amen? And it's probably even harder obeying. Uh, than it is even listening or preaching. But all of that being said, I will say this. I, I'm not just, as we say, poo-pooed this. I'm not just going to just look at this and say, well, that just doesn't work for me. I don't know if I can do that. I'm working on this. And I am genuinely wanting to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And in order to do that, I need to let God teach me the difficult scriptures just as much as those that I find a little bit more easy. Amen? As we mentioned, is it not great to love the brotherhood? And isn't it easy sometimes to love the brotherhood? Amen? But when you come to something like this, I think every one of us, I'm speaking for all of us, we find it very difficult. Now, you might be sitting there already, and maybe you've been thinking about this today, or even you knew where we were going at the beginning of the week, and uh, you might be saying something like this, you mean God wants me to honor President Biden? Short answer, yes, he does. He really does. And uh, by the way, this text is not a reference to Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Rather, this is a reference to those in positions of authority over us. The Lord, it matters to Him how we deal with the authorities over us and how much trust we have in Him and how much trust we really have in our thinking, what we think that we can accomplish. And again, allow me to emphasize the fact that Peter's statement, I know that I sound like a broken record, but it does end in a period, amen? Well, I got something to say about this. Well, you can go ahead and say that, but I'm pretty sure it ends with a period here, amen? And once again, allow me to point out that we are to honor all men, period. And again, good, bad, or indifferent, no exceptions, no exemptions, no excuses. And now he says, honor the king, period. Now, I want to say this slowly, folks. I'm not trying to, uh, to be critical or redundant, but again, good, bad leaders uh, or indifferent, no exceptions, no exemptions, no excuses. We are, as the Bible tells us, to honor the king. Now, I was thinking about this, and I really spent a lot of time meditating on this the last several days, wondering how on earth am I going to preach this, and what angle am I going to take? And, and really, you know, it honestly comes down to prayer, getting in the Word, and just studying and letting God speak to your heart as a preacher. But I thought about this, and, and I had this statement in the message, and it's a true statement to a degree, but I want to show you the flaw in it. But you may have expected me to say something like this. And I thought through this before I came to the pulpit tonight. You may have thought I'd say something like this somewhere in the message. And you'd be right. It goes like this. As has often been said, the person holding the office may not be honorable. Nevertheless, we are to honor the office that he or she holds. And I've heard that thousands of times. And in my heart and mind, I amend it. Well, I hate to burst your bubble. I know that way of thinking sounds great, but I really do hate to be the bearer of bad news. God didn't say simply honor the office. Now, you can think that, but you'll never show me that in the King James Bible. God didn't say just merely honor the office. God said very carefully, honor the king. 
And if words don't matter here, again, I, I'm, I'm a believer in proper hermeneutics and biblical interpretation. Be careful going down that road because words don't mean words in other scriptures as well. God was very careful and very clear, inspired scripture here that we are to honor the king. In addition, when we say that they are dishonorable, we are saying that God is wrong in a sense. In this text, it's not the king's activity or action that makes him worthy of honor or not worthy of honor. The command of God means we owe him honor because God said so. Now think of it, if honor means or honorable means somebody is worthy of honor, then the kings are worthy of honor just simply by, by, based on the fact that God commanded us to give them that honor. So the command of God means we owe him honor because God said so. Now please don't get upset at me and, and lose your attention span tonight because we're going to get to some things I really believe that things are going to click for you and you're going to see some things really clearly tonight as the Lord begin to show me some things. So again, if honorable means worthy of honor, then God is telling us, hey, they're worthy of honor in so much that I want it given to them, and that is entirely based upon God's choosing, not by whether they're good kings or bad kings or whatever. In Romans chapter 13 and verse number 7, and you could turn there if you'd like, but the Bible says this, render therefore to all their dues. That talks about something that is owed. And he says, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And so simply put, we owe dues of honor to the king because Jesus commanded us to pay them. Now I realize, and I get this, I live in the same world you live in. This is foreign to the current climate between those in authority and those that are under authority. But honestly, just look at the fruit that our current disrespect for authority is bringing forth. The more and more we disrespect authority and attack authority and don't have any, any teach our children respect for authority, it seems like our society is getting worse and worse and worse. And I've often wondered, is our bad attitude and lack of trust in God as believers and the fact that he does have all of this has that contributed to the downfall of America but why you say well in addition to the command should we honor the king why should we honor him well for one thing and I want to give you just a few simple points tonight honoring the king is necessary to a true civil society I said earlier that it's interesting to note that enlisting these four points of the compass, fear God and honor the king, are linked together. And I do, do believe that's for a reason. We talked about that, to fear God and then uh, over here to honor the king, involving interaction with authority. And you say, what's that all about? Well, linking them together results in a safeguard against giving the wrong kind of honor to an earthly leader. So although we should give honor to an earthly leader, we should never do that in spite of God or in spite, uh, instead of giving honor to God. There has to be a balance. In other words, folks, the only way that you and I can do this is to have our moral compass on the God of heaven. Amen. The only way we can obey some of what we would call the most difficult commands in the word of God is to make sure that we are first honoring our King of Kings and Lord of Lords and then as we trust Him and His Holy Spirit is working in our hearts, we can then do what seems to be the impossible. Amen? I think about King Nebuchadnezzar and how he attempted to ascribe to himself great glory and great authority in Daniel chapter number 3. And so look, if we honor God and honor the King, it's always going to be a safeguard. This combination of these two points is what has kept our nation free from dictatorial rule 
up to this point. Proper civil society requires both the fear of God and the honor of the king. Remove the fear of God from the equation and the honoring of the king will always spiral out of control. Despots will always rise up when God is not honored, when God's word is not obeyed, when God's laws are not the basis of our law system. Everything will begin to fall to pieces. Now, I want to go to the meat of this tonight and I want us to go to Romans chapter 13 together. Let's go over there together if we could and let's jump in and really take a look at some things this evening. Romans chapter number 13 and verse number 1. The Bible said, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Now I want you to remember that statement because we're going to go back to that principle a little bit later. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. That's pretty serious, is it not? He said, uh, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. God says, you focus on doing right. Amen? Because some of the things that God is doing, we simply cannot change. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, <clears throat> revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore you must needs be subject, <clears throat> not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. For for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. God says, you will be sinning and violating your conscience if you don't follow my command to follow these leaders. Notice verse 7. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Now, newsflash. Again, we all struggle with this. And if we just don't think we can honor the king, then honestly, we need to literally pray and ask God for grace and for help. I want to show you several scriptures. Bear with me. Go to Revelation chapter 7, and we're going to try to tie some of these concepts together a little bit later. <clears throat> we're going to have to jump around the Bible a little bit and show you some things. Revelation chapter number 7, and notice if you would verse number 11. In case anyone's struggling with what honor actually means. Revelation 7 verse number 11. The Bible said, and all the angels stood round about the throne, <clears throat> about the elders, and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. Now, let me just state that if you struggle with the definition of the word honor in your King James Bible, note that it is used both for Christ and for earthly kings. Now, the other words in the text, obviously some of them, are only ascribed to the Lord our God. Amen? But however, honor 
is a word that is used both in reference to Jesus Christ and also to earthly kings. So whatever honor means in Revelation chapter 7, quite honestly, it's what honor means in 1 Peter chapter 2. Again, that's the rule of grammar and consistent hermeneutical employment. In other words, the, the uh, meaning of a word is ascertained as to how that word is most commonly used throughout the totality of the Scripture. And again, if Jesus Christ is worthy of honor, then the Bible is telling us by command that we ought to honor the king. But not only is the honor of the king the path to a true civil society, but it's a proper response to divine sovereignty. Now I want to show you this, and I really pray, I'm going to read you a lengthy a dissertation that I kind of put together, and I hope that you'll get a hold of this. When these two are linked together, honoring God and the king, godliness provides a pure, a true, a genuine motive for patriotism, as I do believe that we can see in the previous years in our nation's history. Why is that, you ask? Well, simply because a godly man understands the biblical truth that the king or president or whatever position they hold, listen to me carefully, they only hold that position by the divine appointment and permission of God. Amen? You know, I had an old friend, and he was an evangelist for years, and he always used this illustration. He used this numerous times as he was preaching, and he talked about the power of gravity, but then he talked about the, the, the or rather, the law of gravity, then he talked about the law of aerodynamics and all of that, and he was talking about being on an airplane. I'll never forget this illustration. He talked about how that power of gravity had its, had its place and all of that, but then all of a sudden, as that plane began to go down the runway, all those bags and all of that cargo and all of those people and all of that fuel and all of that water and everything that was on there, all of a sudden another law kicked in and he called it over and over, the power that is over the power, amen? And he said that law of aerodynamics would begin to kick in and all of a sudden, man, ton after ton after ton of fiberglass and steel and water and fuel just begin to rise higher and higher. And I want to say, my friend, that's the way that we need to begin to look at this. The reason we're fretting, the reason we're worried is it's almost like we don't really feel like God's got this. It's almost like we're thinking, man, is God making a mistake? Is he really going to make us go through this? Maybe he wants to think this with all these bad rulers. Now, you and I have read the end of the book. We've read the New Testament. We've known for years what we should have been expecting. As I said before, we just didn't want it to happen today, this week, this month, this year, in 2021. But listen, my friend, let me just state to you very quickly. They only hold that position by the divine appointment and permission of Almighty God. And do I need to remind you of what Daniel said to a heathen king? Turn to Daniel chapter 2 very quickly with me. Daniel chapter 2, and let me just remind you of a biblical truth. And I'm going to tell you, I hope this settles your heart. Because worry is not of God, and fear is not of God. And I see people so despondent today. I thought it was bad when President Obama got in office, and people are locking themselves in their closets and weeping and, you know, not eating and going on hunger strikes and all this kind of crazy. And I'm talking about saved people. I see a lot of saved people today. It's like they lost their salvation as though God just doesn't have a right to do this. And how dare he? And I just didn't see it coming. But notice, my friend, we have got to let that fear go. Go and trust in the God of heaven. He's sovereign. His plan is perfect. Daniel chapter 2, notice if you would, verse number uh, 37 with me. The Bible said over there, Daniel chapter 2, verse number 37. He said, Thou, O king, art a king of kings 
For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. Man, let me ask you a question, friend. You think there ever was a president in America as wicked as some of these ungodly devil-worshipping, idol-worshipping kings there in Babylon? We've never had a president that bad. And you know what Daniel said? Daniel said, I recognize something. That's why Daniel just kept right on a praying with no fear. He wasn't biting his fingernails and drinking Maalocks and chewing rolls. Aids. He was serving God. Man, he was laying in the lion's den, man. I can see the mane laying all around him. This old man Daniel now, seasoned veteran, laying with his head down on the mane. Amen. Just enjoying the goodness and presence of God. Why? Because you can go to this truth in his life. Daniel stated from the heart, hey, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom. I know the God that put you in that place. I know the God that's over your office. He's in my heart and I'm. he's my Savior and I follow him. Listen, and we have got to get that truth back in our hearts. Look, President Biden's not ultimately in control. Jesus Christ, our Lord, is ultimately in control. You say, but what about the vice president? What about the Senate? My, my God, my Savior that lives in my heart, he's got all that under control. He's never lost or relinquished any of his authority. Turn to the book of Acts really quickly. Acts chapter 26, we see how Daniel viewed it. Look, if you would, for, for just a moment, how the apostle Paul, thought in in uh, very quickly Acts 26 and this is actually this will get you Mary heard the joke about the, the guy that you know he, he got married and he got up to heaven and he was looking for a he's looking for a preacher to marry him and they said that was really hard to find and finally found a preacher in heaven amen and after he got married he said I want to get a divorce and Peter started laughing he said why is that he said if you think it was hard finding a preacher up here what do you say how hard it is to find a lawyer amen but uh, anyway, Paul's talking to a lawyer here, a, pro, a, a, procur, a procurator is what they call him. Amen. I'll spit it out sooner or later. Amen. I thought this was interesting. When you give honor to lawyers, amen, you're really saying something. Amen. But Acts 26, notice what he said in verse 22. And here he is before Agrippa. So he's standing before a king. And he says, having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both the small and great, saying none other things than that which Moses, the um, prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he spake uh, for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, I'm sure this was insulting, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. He said, Paul, you're nuts in a loud voice. Paul, you're crazy. But I want you to notice how Paul responded to this. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus. But speak forth the words of truth and soberness. He didn't compromise his message whatsoever, but you know what he did? He showed due respect and due honor. And you know the rest of the passage speaks for itself, amen. God was obviously using him, inching these men close to being saved by the good grace of God. But I want us to tonight really to look at Jesus for a bit. I want you to take your Bible and go to Proverbs chapter 29 with me. And I promise you that if you take a look at Jesus' life, it is really going to be a challenge to you because Jesus Christ knew what it was to honor the king. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse number 2. The Bible says there, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, 
The people mourn. It's expected. We're discouraged. We want a different laws. We want a different morality. We want a different financial situation. We wanted a different immigration status. We wanted all those, those things. And, and so this is normal. This is proper. This is just, just the way that it works out. But it doesn't negate the other scriptures. Honor the king. So I want to carefully read what I wrote because I don't want to miss this tonight or have you miss it. What if a ruler, the one to whom we are to submit to, is an oppressive person? What if he is uh, just incompetent or even stupid? What if we know better how to do the job than he, should, than he should be doing? You know, we hear a lot of that, by the way, around the water cooler. That's a lot. I could do that job better than him. What if the person is sexually immoral? What if they're financially greedy? Does God still want us to submit? What protection do we have in these kind of circumstances? Well, the fact is those in authority often do evil. It's just a fact. Amen. They might have serious character flaws. They catch their victims in the effects of their flaws. What is so maddening is that they justify their ways, seeing them as good, and they'll often turn around and blame the innocent for the evils that occur. One of the things I do in Baptist history is I study and I lecture on uh, the different Roman emperors that were prior to the creation of the Roman Catholic institution. And over and over and over, there'd be a fire, and they'd turn around and blame it on the Christians. And this is just normal. This is what happens sometimes. But if we're in a position like this under an oppressive ruler who justifies the way he is doing things, and we're suffering the effects of his actions, anybody feel that right there? We feel like powerless pawns being taken advantage of. We feel he is denying us the liberty to do what we want. What if we're in that position? Some of you might say, we're pretty much there right now, preacher. Should we submit or should we rebel? To know what to do, really, we must look at the life of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ was in similar circumstances to a degree, and it's good for us to look at what Jesus Christ did in these circumstances. This is not an occasion in which, by the way, the authority figure demands submission, and in submitting, he must break the law of God. The situation does not involve being forced to sin, but simply submitting to one who is unreasonable and oppressive. Now, let me clarify. The Bible is very clear that we ought to obey God rather than men. There is definitely a line. When governments tell you not to do what the Bible is clearly commanding you to do, there's no debate about that whatsoever. You are always, 100% of the time, at any cost, no matter what, what you may face, to follow the Word of God. But what about when they lay down laws that are not necessarily unbiblical? What if they're seemingly tyrannical, but they're not unbiblical? Notice if you would, I want you to go to John chapter 19 with me, please. Should we submit or should we rebel? I want to tell you, I have a pastor, and he is so good at this, it's just, it convicts me down to my socks. He wrote an open letter to the governor of our state who was doing some good things and doing some bad things. And he, he kind of sandwiched it. In other words, you open by giving due honor. Then you air out your griefs. You again restate some of the positive things. And then at the end, you finish it up by saying, I respect you and your office and we're praying for you and we wish you the best, but please hear our concerns. And he did it in such a way... That thing literally went viral on the internet. I mean, thousands upon thousands of people were not just reading it, but they were sharing it. 
And that's just a gift that God has given him. He's just so good at being patient with all men. And being patient with all men means being patient even with leadership. But in John 19 and verse number 10, look over there with me if you would. John chapter 19, we find some important truth. Now this, of course, is part of Jesus' trial for his life before Pilate. And it occurs after Pilate had ordered him to be scourged. Notice, if you would, verse number 10. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Now let me ask you a question. You've been in this bad a spot because of the president that's in office, ready to, ready to die? Amen. Boy, it's quiet in here. I mean, you ought to get on the home team here, folks. I'm reading from the Bible. Amen. I know it's difficult, but this is for the things, and this is what God showed me to deal with this week. And I hope by the time this is done, if nothing else, you'll go home and you'll say, God's on the throne. I'm going to quit worrying about this. I'm going to quit fussing about it. I'm going to quit getting so focused on it and sitting around and wondering what's going to happen. I'm just going to put all my faith and trust in the God who has power over every ruler on this planet. But listen, Pilate could have chosen, by the way, to do either of those things. Look back at the scripture. He said here, he said, No, it's not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee. Pilate, we know, was a corrupt official. His record, according to secular history, was not at all good. The Jews despised him for his harsh ways. In fact, if I remember Josephus correctly, Pilate later got shipped off because of his cruel treatment of his subjects and drowned himself uh, in, the, in the Lake Lucerne, wringing his hands saying, I can't get his blood off my hands. He was a wicked and a vile man and mistreated people constantly. He could have done whatever he wanted to do, but then we find in John 19 verse 11 and this hit my heart like a ton of bricks hey well let me ask you do you love Jesus you want to follow him you want to be like him don't wear the bracelet just do what he does here amen Jesus answered thou couldest have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. His response is very meaningful. If you think about this, it reveals his attitude, really his approach to all circumstances of his life. To be in the same frame of mind, we must ask ourselves, do we believe what Jesus believed? Do we believe what Daniel believed? Do we see God still at work around us? Or has he gone out from the earth now because the wrong, quote, president got in? Is he really a part of our lives? Is he really running his creation? Or has he relinquished that authority? Is he really sitting at the controls of all things? Do we believe that in our heart of hearts? Jesus certainly did. And that's what he quoted. That was what was on the heart of Jesus Christ. Is he really aware of us as individuals? Does he have every hair in our head numbered? Or does he not have every hair on our head number? Does he know we're having this meeting this week? Does he know where America's at, where it came from, where it's going? Think about it. Are we really the apple of his eye or are we not? Are our lives really in his hands or are they not? Have we really given them to him or are we holding part of ourselves in reserve from God, wanting to run everything ourselves? You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Jesus really saw life Pretty clearly, pretty simply. And I'm going to say, this is quite liberating. 
God was in complete control of everything going on in the universe. Now listen, not that everything that was being directed by him in the sense that he was causing it to occur, the evil and such, but listen, that Je- but that Jesus believed with every fiber of his being that God was with him all the time, everywhere, and at every moment he knew his life was in his Father's hands and Pilate could do nothing against him unless God allowed that to happen. I'll tell you what. When you believe that, I don't mean you just, oh, that sounds good. When you believe that, when you live every day saying, I'm not going to worry about that, I'm going to trust in Jesus Christ, I mean, that becomes really powerful in your life. So to sum it up, to answer the question, would God have us submit to somebody who was cruel, hard-hearted, incompetent, sexually unbalanced, perverted, stupid, or financially greedy? Would He have us to live and work under such a person? He put His own Son in that position. You better than Jesus? Who'd like to sign up and be the first one and say, I'm better than Jesus? I'm going to tell you, that changes and turns the tables, does it not? I saw that today and it was like a truth bomb. Never saw it that way before. Man, I, I can't believe God done this. Man, I hate Biden and I hate this. And, and we rant and rave and it's like we think God lost control and how could he do this to us? I thought God loved America. My friend, his own son He put under wicked, cruel, ungodly rulers to come and bleed and suffer and die for us. And while he was here, he laid down an example. I'm not worried about leaders. I don't worry about that stuff. I know the God that's over you. He's the one that has the authority and the power. Man, that's powerful. We ought to remember that every single day. By the way, if you are worried, and look, maybe you're spending too much time on social media and in the news, I would encourage you, start reading the book of Proverbs through. In addition to your regular Bible reading, start going through the Psalms where he professes God to be king and Lord over and over and over again. Read through the book of Daniel and find Find how in a wicked, ungodly place, the sovereign rule of God was never relinquished. It was over everything that happened. In fact, God gave dreams and laid out the course of the entirety of the future of the world there in the book of Daniel. He was not only in control, he was using wicked kings for his purposes. And we sit around and doubt and wonder and second guess God. You know, we ought to say no power could have been given to President Biden except our Father in heaven allowed him to have that power. Amen, hallelujah. Maybe you like me a little better now, I don't know. Amen? I'm just a mouthpiece. Everything at Jesus' trial and crucifixion looked totally stacked against him. In a carnal sense, it seemed as if he had every right to rebel. He could have replied, do you not know who who you're doing this to? I'm going to call 10,000 angels. All right, see you later. Hasta la vista, you know, like, like a, a good clean, clean Clint Eastwood movie or something like that, you know. Just blow them away. Jesus didn't do that. Instead, he says in essence this, and listen to me very carefully, and I'm taking a little bit of liberty with the Scripture, but this is the thought. You would not have the power to do anything except that my father passed on this. My father decided not to intervene here, and he's now looking at me, Jesus' thought is, to see how I'm going to respond. Will I submit to the authority he is permitted to be over me right now in this situation? And may I say, the father is watching us. His command is, honor the king. And he is watching to see how we will respond to that. Because again, whether we dishonor the king or not doesn't say so much again about the king as it does about our lack of trust in God 
in our belief in the sovereignty of God over that king. Do we see God in our lives like Jesus did? We have to look at ourselves differently than the way people in the world look at themselves. We must decide whether or not we're in God's hand. Do we have faith to trust that we're in His hand? And listen, and that the constituted authorities, that He is the one that constituted them, they're also in God's hand. Do we believe He is aware of what is happening? You think God just doesn't know maybe? Maybe if He just checked His Twitter feed more, He could fix this mess. I mean, is that really what we're saying? Don't you think He deeply cares about us look you think he cared about Abraham Abraham didn't have a clue what was going on I mean Abraham could have been scared to death turned back his son could have done the same thing there's a lot of examples we could give in scripture God is in control let me just say I know that's not what you want to hear you want to hear well yeah but not if they're really bad now you don't have to honor them that's what we want to hear but no what God wants us to learn is God's in control And if you can't believe that and accept that now, what if things get 10 times worse before Jesus comes? You're in a heap of trouble, friend, if you don't learn this truth in this meeting. I've preached on the martyrs, and I pray someday God will let me write a martyology to be my masterpiece. I told my wife, amen? And write a good, proper, common, modern-day martyology about all the martyrs. And I've taught and lectured on them hundreds of times. I've written a book on the, on the Waldenses. I've gone and studied and visited and did documentary films all across Europe about the martyrs. And so many times I get up in the conference and I'd say something like this. You better be thankful your children hear this. This is 2019. As, 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 as close as 2019 to where we are now. You better be, be thankful because we may not see persecution, but your children might. You better be thankful your children here because your grandchildren might see persecution. And, you know, I've, I've kind of tweaked that. We tweak as we go because, you know, we're trying to constantly go, go back to the Word and go back to what the truth is and line ourselves up with it because we want to be representing the, the Bible and God. And so now I've changed it and I said, you better be thankful you were here because there's no promise that any one of us in here is not going to be martyred. We don't have a clue what's going to happen. Would you agree with me? Eight years of President Obama in office didn't do the damage we saw in eight months last year. I mean, if you look at the whole thing, dude, I mean, she started to just turn a corner, man, rounded that thing, and it's just an ice slide down to the bottom. We see the. So I'm saying, if you don't get a hold of this truth now, and it's not, again, it's not so much about honoring the king, and it is about that, but look, if you can't honor the king and trust that God is in control, you've got a God problem. You've got a trust problem. You've got a worry problem. You're keeping your concerns to yourself instead of giving them to Jesus and acknowledging God is in control. Listen, turn to Psalm 75. I want you to see this, please. In the context of what we're looking at tonight, I mean, there couldn't be a more fitting scripture than Psalm 75 and verse number 7. The Bible said, look at verse 6, For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. Verse number 7 of Psalm 75, But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. So there you have it. God's in control. And you know why we have such a hard time honoring the king? Because we forget God's in control. Or that's not good enough because it doesn't ease my fears. Well, you better start trusting in him more and more and more because if it does get ten times worse, folks, 
we are going to need God more than we ever have before. So there you have it. There you have Peter under the divine inspiration of God setting forth the four points of a moral compass. Amen? And they're all vitally important. Honor all men. Amen? And again, trying to help them if they're lost, trying to help them to get saved if they're saved, trying to help them to take their next steps to get closer to God and serve God. And then love the brotherhood. Everything that God has in reference to you being a part of the family of God and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, love that. And, and if, you, if you don't love it, fall back in love with it and let your life focus around that. And then, of course, fear God. Amen. We'll talk about that in a second. And then also honor the king. The two secular horizontal points being founded upon and more importantly governed by the dependent and dependent upon the two spiritual vertical points, in particular, by the north point, fear God. In other words, these two, they're dependent on these two, amen? And particularly, all of it is dependent upon fear God. That is indeed what needs to be the magnetic pull of your life. For as I said earlier in the message, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and also of knowledge. And you may leave tonight and say, yeah, that's all good and well, but I'm going to tell you, I can't stand him. Look what he's doing. And, and you just divert right back. You really didn't hear point one on fearing God yet. Because either the book is the book or it's not the book. And you say, I based my life on it, then base your life on all of it. And I'm telling you, it's hard learning, but we have got to learn it. Not even, again, so much that we honor Him, it is that, but it's that we don't dishonor God and that we understand that God is the one that is over Him. And so, my friend, let the fear of God lead you to repentance, to turn from your sin to the Savior and call upon Him in faith if you need to be saved. But if you're a believer, let the fear of God help you to set you in the right direction again. I fear so badly that our churches have just lost their way. Our country is losing its way, and we as individuals are losing our way. Won't you forget your way today and allow him to get you pointed in the right direction? Preacher, I want to take a little bit of liberty tonight and do something a little bit different. I wanted to see maybe if we could have the men to come to the altar and pray for our leaders. I'm going to tell you what, 10 to 1, we complain about them and we don't obey the commands to pray for them. Take your Bible quickly and go to 1 Timothy. Go to 1 Timothy with me. And I want you to go to the second chapter of 1 Timothy. Now, I'm going to tell you what, I'm a stickler on words because if you're not, you're going to get into a lot of bad doctrine. And I know this flies in the face of a lot of people's belief systems. But I want you to look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 with me. And the Lord just laid this upon my heart. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, I've taught this probably in this church. First in a list of many. That means before anything else. And what we've often taught is this, that we, we've taught that Prayer is what he's going to get into here, is first before everything else because soul winning, missions, any endeavor we do for God, without him we can do no thing. So we have to bathe it in prayer, depend on him and trust him as we go. We all get that, amen? And so the first duty of the church then is prayer, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men. But not just is, is prayer the first duty, but in verse 2 he says, 
for kings. Well, I, I, probably he had, you know, there weren't enough words in the Bible, so he threw them in there, you think? If I understand my Bible correctly, God said the first duty of the church. I didn't say this. First of all, he said, here's what you do the first thing you do. I don't want to shame anybody, have you raise your hands, but is that the first thing we do every day is pray for our authorities? Maybe they wouldn't be in such a mess and we wouldn't be so worried about them if we'd be praying for them a whole lot more and seeing them as the lost souls that they are and understanding that God is sovereign. You know what happens when we do this? We're saying, Lord, I still believe you're in control of them. We're saying, Lord, yeah, we're in a, we're in a heap of trouble. I mean, laws and, and executive order. Folks, I'm so Republican, it's ridiculous. So please don't indict me tonight because I'm just not a conservative. I'm a conservative, but I'm a Bible-believing Christian first before I'm a Republican and before I'm an American. I hope you understand that. And I believe when we, when we pray this, we're saying, God, please bless them and help them and save them and turn their hearts and do. And what we're saying is, God, we know that you still got this. And I'm going to tell you what, that brings a peace to your heart that when you're done praying, you've done all that you can, all that God expects, amen. And then we just need to continue to honor the authorities God has put over us. I'm not going to go much further than this, but kings and all, they're in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life. By the way, let me just throw this out because I hate false doctrine and I hate false teaching. And you hear these people say, well, God, there's nowhere in the Bible that Calvinists will tell you where God told you to pray for the lost. That's interesting because in the same context, he says, verse number four, who will have all men, that's God, to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. If that's not praying for the lost, I don't know what is. He's saying pray for these people because God wants all of them to be saved. Amen. God can save them. Amen. God can do a work, but we're not honoring them and we're not even doing our first duty to pray, supplicate, and make intercession for kings. I'm going to ask you, men, if you'll join me at the altar and...